Hey guys, this is Pastor Mark Warren from Church at the Crossroads. Thank you for checking out our podcast. My prayer is that you're encouraged and challenged as you hear, understand, and obey God's Word today. Information Sunday would be the celebration of Martin Luther nailing the uh, 95 Thesis on the church at a time when the church, uh, the organized church, Many people, I've heard people say over the years, you know, I just don't like organized religion. I don't like institutional uh, Christianity. And at that time in 1517, the church had become very loss of focus. Their focus had turned away from Christ and a relationship with Christ, and their their focus was on works and um and it was, it was a dark time for the church, and Martin Luther was a monk, and he started reading the Bible. He started reading Romans, and through Romans, he, he said, I, I, can't, I can't deny this. Salvation is through faith in Christ alone. And when he started talking to people about that, that message was not necessarily uh, received, but... Uh, there was a huge division of the church. And as we move towards the last days, my prayer, you know, even as I rode by the the Catholic church here in town, my prayer is that the gospel would reach Catholics, Presbyterians, Baptists, Methodists, non-denominational, that we would be as believers, as followers of Christ, we would be brought together through our faith in Christ. When Amy and I went to uh, Israel, I was on the plane with a group of people going to the uh, Holy Land, and I got uh, a conversation going with this gentleman that was uh, Roman Catholic. And um, we were talking, and we started talking about salvation. And I said, how would you summarize the gospel? He said, well, faith in Christ alone for salvation, resulting in a transformed life. And I said, praise God, you and I, we define salvation the exact same way. So even now, I believe that um, God is bringing together believers, and you're going to find believers in every uh, denomination, as well as you're going to find people who go to church every Sunday and they just don't, they just don't know the gospel. So as we turn to Romans chapter 5, I want you to think about the question of God turning your faith into faithfulness. If you think of the thief on the cross, and when I say the word thief on the cross, you know, you think of uh, Jesus dying on the cross and turning to this man who had done no good works. In fact, he was being crucified for his bad works. And, And Jesus told that man, he said, today you will be with me in, in paradise. So God saw that man's faith in Christ, that that man recognized that Jesus was innocent, that Jesus was the Son of God. And even though that man died on the same day Jesus died and never had a chance to live out his Christian life, that man went to heaven. And you and I, when we come to Christ and we receive Christ, we are saved. We are born again, the Bible says. The Bible says that there is no condemnation 
to those who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins. But you and I, some of us have received Christ many years ago. And we've come to Christ and placed our faith in Christ many years ago. And our goal, and also perhaps our frustration, is we want to be faithful. We have faith in Christ. We trust Christ alone for our salvation. But we're not satisfied with where we are spiritually. We're not satisfied with our level of commitment and faithfulness to God. So we ask the question, and we want to look at what Paul says. How does God, or how can God, turn our faith into a faithful life? I've talked to so many people over the years who love the Lord. They believe Jesus is the Son of God. They believe Jesus died on the cross. They absolutely love the Lord. They love God's people. They love the Word of God. They love worship. But at the same time, those people become extremely discouraged by their lack of holiness, their lack of faithfulness, their lack of self-control, their lack of kindness, their lack of patience with other people. They look at themselves and they think, God, why can't I live the Christian life? And yet I believe we're going to see today that God is doing everything that can possibly be done so that you and I can become faithful, so that you and I can become men and women of God, that he has laid it out for us, and he's not up in heaven condemning us, complaining about us, but he is, up in he he is waiting for us to simply follow and obey and trust him, that God has provided to us what is necessary to live a faithful life. Paul begins this uh, chapter in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God has forgiven our sin debt. Before we can ever become faithful, we have to understand that we do not live in guilt and shame. If you and I can grasp this, if we can understand that we are forgiven, that we have forgiveness, and we can be thankful and grateful to God for that forgiveness rather than feeling guilt and shame that takes us away. What is justification? Justification is God's righteous act of removing the condemnation, the guilt, and the penalty of sin by grace, while at the same time declaring the unrighteous to be righteous through faith in Christ's atoning sacrifice. What that says is God looks at us not based on our sin. God looks at us through the righteousness of Christ. That God sees us as if we already are who we are becoming. Now a lot of us are just driven by the desire to please other people. We want to please people. We want to make people happy. And how does it make you feel when you know that person's not happy with you? How does it make you feel when you can't please the person that you're trying so hard to please? It makes you shut down, right? It makes you want to give up. It makes you want to feel hopeless. So God does not want you and I to feel that type of uh, discouragement. 
you and I before God based on our faith in Christ are pleasing to God. We please God not because we do every single thing and keep every single rule, but we please God because we have placed our faith in Christ. And God sees us as the righteousness of Christ. So we are perfect, we are forgiven in His sight, and our living of the Christian life is not to win God's favor. Our living of the Christian life is love, thankfulness, gratitude. We're working out of grace, we're working out of gratitude and thankfulness to God for what He has done. If you and I had to come in here today and try to work up enough faith, if we had to go out and try to do enough good works to merit God's favor and pleasure, you know, my, my children don't have to earn my love for them. They had that the minute they were born. When I held my daughters, and many of you have held your sons and your daughters, when you had those children, you know, it did not matter what they were going to do. You loved them, and they had your pleasure and favor. And if you don't believe that, just say something ugly to somebody's children and see how they feel towards you. Just see how mad that makes them. That doesn't go very well, does it? These people, and I've been teaching school for a while, and I realize that when I have to correct somebody, I pray, Lord Jesus, give me the words to say. you got to be very careful because people love their children unconditionally. And if you and I love our children unconditionally, think about God who loves us the same way. Now that love is not given to everyone in the same sense. Because those who reject the Son do not see the love of God. Those who reject Christ reject the necessary provision for sin that God established. Because God is holy as well as loving. And since God is holy, he had to pour out his wrath on sin. And that sin was placed on Christ. And Christ paid that punishment. So that you and I, when we come to Christ and we fall before God, asking for mercy like the thief on the cross, we are forgiven. But when you become saved, you're filled with God's Spirit and you want to be a good, you want to change. You don't have that desire to be evil and horrible. You don't come to Christ to be able to get away with stuff. You come to Christ for forgiveness. And God's love is poured out in you. And then you have this challenging thing called living the Christian life where you have this desire to live for Christ and to love him because he died for you in the reality that the flesh is weak. The devil is deceptive and the world is alluring. And the world tries to lure us in away from Christ. Our flesh wants to take the easy route. Our flesh doesn't want to admit when it's wrong. And it's these things that God works with to bring us to sanctification. He justifies us, he sanctifies us, and then one day he's going to glorify us when we're in his presence. Romans 5.2 says, Through whom we have gained access 
by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. God has given us access into his presence. When you and I walked in here today and we heard, well, you know, the house of the Lord, and we will rejoice. We rejoice in God's presence in the house of the Lord because we have been made innocent through Christ and we can come before God and we can worship. I can remember years ago, I was worshiping God at a church and I was just overwhelmed with my sin. I was absolutely overwhelmed with my sin and I felt unworthy. And maybe some of you feel that way or you have felt that way and you feel like, you know, I wish I hadn't done this or I wish I hadn't said that. And I felt all that guilt and it was so hard to feel accepted before God. It was so hard to feel God's presence. And I, and I just felt like, you know, if the music would stop and the service would be over, I would just be left so empty because, I, you know, it's like God's presence was there and I was trying to hold on to it and not let it get away. And the Holy Spirit just made it clear to me that you are welcome. You are welcome. You are invited into the presence of God. When God saved us, God saved us to draw us close to him. You can imagine if your, your, your child that you love so much ran away and just went far from you and rejected you and says, I don't want anything to do with you. And you grieved and you hurt. And then they came to their senses and, and realized that they were wrong. And they returned. And you didn't want to move too fast because you wanted to make sure that it was sincere and it was going to be lasting. But in your heart, you would be eager to draw them into your presence. If you're human, you would feel that. You would want to restore them. How much more does God want to restore that relationship with us? If you are here today and you've given your life to Christ and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead, God wants you to draw near to him. He wants you to experience and to be free in his presence. He wants you to connect and to relate and to know him personally. And he wants to draw you in through his Holy Spirit to be close to him, through music, through the preaching of the word, through the fellowship of one another. God desires a relationship with us. If we're going to be faithful, if we're going to be faithful people, we need to know that we're forgiven. We can't walk around in guilt and shame. If we're going to be faithful people, we need to be in God's presence. You know, the other day uh, we were down in Virginia Beach and Ivy and I, uh, Amy, and the only one parent could go to Chloe's um, uh, honors college uh, in weekend. So Amy said, I've taught this girl. I'm going. <laughs> so Ivy and I were hanging out. We went over to a music store. And in that store, there was this gentleman teaching uh, cello. And he was incredible. He was absolutely incredible. He, could, he was just saying, now, oh, that's a little flat. Play a little, you know, and just, 
And I felt I was joking with the man, you know, when he had a break. I said, you know, I felt like I, I said, you're so good at what you do, just being in your presence. I felt like I was learning the instrument. And we all kind of laughed, you know. But the thing is, is when you're around, he was a band teacher. And I, I told him, I said, you, you brought back wonderful memories I have of my band teacher. And he said, I like to keep it positive. And I felt that positivity. And I felt that, that warm environment. And we joked about uh, French horns being really messy and dumping lots of water on the floor. And we laughed about that. Just being in his presence motivated me to want to pull down that old saxophone and try to play it. And just being around that guy, you know, I just felt something, you know, I felt a, I just felt a, a love for music and a excellence in music. And I was even trying to persuade Ivy to play one of those instruments. And she was looking at me like I was crazy, you know, being in God's presence will make you holy. Being in God's presence will, will give you thankfulness and joy and you are invited and able to approach God's presence through what Jesus did on the cross. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And I want to talk to you a little bit about suffering. And I'm going to need to put on my glasses to do this. Let's see, what did I do? Leave them down there? All right, here they are. Okay. Praise the Lord. At least they're not on my head. I want to read you an email. This morning, Amy and I were talking, and she, she said, when was the last time you talked to Mr. Lawrence? And um, I reached out to him. So Mr. Lawrence is a man that's blessed Amy and I. He's cut our grass. He's helped us. He, he's an encouraging man who loves God with his whole heart. If there is anybody that you would think is always going to have things go perfect because of their love for God, it's this man. You know, you would think, well, wow, he loves the Lord so much, he's never going to have a problem in the world. I mean, a lot of preachers would try to convince you that if you do A, B, and C, you're going to, you're going to be just rich without problems, never going to have a sickness, never going to have a problem, you know, just send some money on television, you know, and I'm not trying to make fun of them. It's, you could turn it on and see it for yourself. I saw one the other day. It's, it says, I, I, decree, I decree that you're going to get rich in Jesus' name. And then there's a link to send them money. Okay, so certainly, I mean, you know, you and I might not be able to meet all those requirements, but I know Mr. Lawrence would meet them because he is a wonderful man. He loves the Lord. He says, wow, I guess the Holy Spirit laid it on your heart. I'm in a hospital with Brother Adam. My wife called yesterday morning and said that a man was parked in the neighborhood beside our driveway. So they called the police. When the police came, who startled the man who was drunk, the guy put it in reverse. He floored it, came across the front of my house, hit my son-in-law's Honda Accord so hard it was totaled. And it bunted around and hit my wife's forefronter, which is identical to Mike Hughes' forerunner, and my daughter's minivan. It knocked it up into the garage door. And it hit my enclosed trailer with my lawnmower. Thanks for the prayer. It's well needed. 
God uses suffering, folks. That's not pleasant. And that's a man of God. That's a man who loves God. And those things happen. Why? Because we are in a fallen world. You know what? And I believe that that's going to make him a better man. I believe that's going to make his faith grow stronger. And what he said, and here's why I know that. He said, the trials and trip. He didn't know what I was preaching today. I said, wow, that sounds like a headache. It will be. But that's trials and tribulations. Looks pretty similar to this verse, doesn't it? He says, I pray for the man that got to DWI and did this. Did it change his character? No. Did it make him hate somebody? No. Did it make him love people like Christ loved people? Yes. Why? Because God uses the problems that we encounter. The devil, the world, our flesh, just life in general will be filled with ups and downs. Now, some days everything is going to go our way. There's going to be days when everything possible works out. There's going to be days where you think, me and I, Amy, have been places and the parking lot is completely filled. There's a parking space right next to the front door. And Amy, a joke, Mark, you must have been watching Joel Osteen or something. She'll, she'll rip me about it. We'll joke around and laugh about it. Guys, there's going to be times when everything goes right. You know, there's going to be times when God blesses us and we're happy and we're full of joy. But there also will be times when there's troubles. God doesn't want us to forget him in the troubles. God doesn't want us to blame him. God doesn't want us to complain and think we're not blessed and we're not worthy and we're not good enough. God wants us to simply endure and allow it to build character, to forgive the people who hurt us, to pray for the people who flew across our yard and damaged all of our stuff, you know, to wish the best on people, to give thanks for God that nothing worse happened. You know, we are going to experience some ups and downs in life. That's just life. And God uses those things to build our character. God is using our suffering to produce spiritually mature people. God uses our suffering to produce in us patience and perseverance and love and forgiveness. He's producing all those character things. You know, when you suffer, it humbles you, especially if it's through your own doing. When you fall, when you mess up and do the wrong thing, it produces humility. When you have to apologize to somebody, when you have to pick up the phone and call up somebody and say, I'm sorry for being so rude or so inconsiderate, it humbles you to realize how much you need God's grace and God's mercy. And it teaches you to be more loving and more kind to people. All of these things. You know, I don't know why particular things happen to people. You know, I can't predict it. I've seen people who, you know, I think of a man I knew who uh, used to make guitars in Smithfield. He was a wonderful man of God. And I would go in there and he would work on my guitars and he would talk to me about the Lord. And, and this man got cancer and I prayed for him and many people prayed for him. And we interceded and we prayed and prayed. And that man went to, you know, went to be with the Lord. I don't know why. 
I don't know why God works it like that. Another gentleman that I met, he was a friend of my father's. My father thought the world of this man. And he started a prison ministry in 1981. And, and I was able to go in 1983. I went into the prison and, and was able to, they had Bible studies and they shared the gospel. And, and this man, uh, he got cancer. I couldn't understand that. You know, I did. I said, why, why, God? And I never, I didn't really follow the story. I didn't know what happened with that particular uh, ministry. I didn't know if it continued. And I was down in the duck through the other day. I was down there eating breakfast. And there was this loud person down there talking to everybody. And I said, he must be born again. He must be a Christian. And sure enough, he started asking me questions. Oh, you going to work this morning? Yeah. Okay, what type of work you do? And before you know it, he was telling me about the Lord. Found out that this man is involved in prison ministry. And he started sharing with me how he goes into the Norfolk jail and shares the gospel and does Bible studies. And I said, well, what ministry do you do that with? I had long forgotten about this man that I knew that started this ministry. And he told me, and I said, wow, that sounds really familiar. He said, yeah, it was, a started, by, it was started by a fellow. I've never met him, but his name was Earl Powell out of Hampton. I said, I know that man. I've met that man. You know, I worked for him when I was a young man. My father knew him very well and got me a job. And, and sure enough, it was the same person. And God, the ministry's grown. They're in like 20-some prisons. And God has blessed them. And I don't know, you know, I don't know why God allows what he allows. And the thing is, is he gave me, he said, please call this, this man up. He gave me a number of a man. He said, he would love to hear from you. So I called that man up, and he said, Earl Powell personally discipled me, and he shared the testimony. So the thing is, is I don't know why God had a limited time for this man. I don't know why. But what I do know is everything he did for Jesus is expanding. People are still being touched. And if I end up going into a jail to teach the Bible and to share the gospel, it will probably be through that ministry. Here, what? Almost 30 years later? That's the providence and the grace of God. Nothing you do for the Lord is ever wasted. And it said, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that judgment. And God had a time period for that man. God had a season. And in that season, God accomplished everything that he wanted to do through that man's life. I believe that. And that work continues, and it reaches other people. And God has promised you and I that he's going to use us and impact the world if we will surrender to him with our imperfections, with our weaknesses, and he will use all of these things to produce in us spiritual maturity so that we can be more effective for the Lord. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. God has given us the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit in us to help make us holy, to help comfort us when we're discouraged. When you and I go through the, um, the trials and tribulations of life, It's through the Holy Spirit that we receive comfort and encouragement so that we're not alone. 
You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God has shown us mercy. God has shown mercy to us so that we can show mercy to other people. We rarely, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? God has shown us unconditional love. God has shown unconditional love to you and I. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. God has reconciled us to himself. So, how does God turn our faith into faithfulness? God does it through forgiveness. He does it by hearing our prayers. He does it through using our suffering. He does it through the gift of the Holy Spirit. He does it through undeserved mercy. When you're ready to give up, when you feel completely, and I, I've been there, I, when you feel completely unworthy, you feel the mercy of God, the second chance of God, you know, I think I share with you, I've shared it a couple of times. My pastor growing up used to say, God, we need, we need a second chance. We need a third chance. We need a fourth chance. We ask for your mercy. Amen? Don't give up. Don't give up. If you fall four times, five times, six times, get back up and keep living the Christian life. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep asking for forgiveness. Keep asking God to make you holy. Don't, don't give up. Unconditional love, reconciliation, reflect and meditate on these. I encourage you, this will be on Facebook. You can find these notes. Study this passage. Me standing up here and sharing it is only the tip of the iceberg. There is so much in the Word of God. There's so, and I didn't put any of this into it. I, I'm simply bringing it out. This is in the Word. This is what the Word of God says. I'm just pulling these verses out and trying to put them on PowerPoints as nice as my wife does them without having to ask her to do them because she's busy. And people get mad at me if I get her to do too much, right? Because she's busy. <laughs> but no, this is all in the Word. This is just right from the Word. How should we respond to God's faithfulness? How should, what should this, what impact should this make in our life? We should forgive other people because God has forgiven us. We should pray individually and with others. We should encourage people that are going through suffering. Please don't tell someone they don't have enough faith. Please don't do that. If someone is suffering, pray for them and encourage them. Don't criticize them and condemn them because they don't believe enough. That's nonsense. Where do you see that in the Word of God? That you would come along. You know, I know people, and, and I'm sorry I get worked up about this. I see people in the church, and I say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing terrible. My back is sore. 
Well, have you asked the church to pray for you? Oh, I can't tell anybody in the church. They'll think I don't have enough faith. That's ridiculous, folks. The church is the place to receive encouragement and you know, to be motivated, to be shown love and compassion. Not a place where you have to pretend to be more spiritual than you are or to pretend to be well when you're sick. That's not, that's not what God wants you to do. So if somebody is suffering, encourage them, pray for them. The Bible says suffer with those who suffer. You know, emphasize and encourage. That's kind of cool. Is something going to blow up or something? <laughs> Number next, depend on the Holy Spirit. Show mercy to others. Show God's love to others. And be reconciled with other people. Lastly, if you forget everything, don't give up. If you're trying to be godly, if you're trying to live the Christian life and you feel unworthy, if you feel inadequate, if you feel you don't measure up, if you don't know if you're good enough, pray. Pray and seek God rather than worry and be afraid. Persevere. Make the most out of suffering. This is the way God humbles and teaches us. Practice. Practice relying upon God and the Holy Spirit. Praise. Thank God. Thank God. See, you know, it's no secret that many of us don't like attention. We don't, we don't like attention. And, you know, when we get to heaven one day, there's going to be some... There's going to be some people in heaven who did a lot for the Lord, you know, and they probably, they probably don't want attention. So when we stand before God and God rewards us, what does it say they did with those rewards? They threw them down at the feet of Jesus. Now, why did they do that? Because you and I were not made to be worshipped. We were not made to be worshipped. And if we are worshipped, it's dysfunctional. And we don't want to be worshipped because we were not created to be worshipped. That's Satan and sin and pride and demonic possession. That's not godly. You know, the most humble of Christians doesn't want the attention. But when you do great things, the people who are touched by your, your mercy and your love, they have this desire to say thanks. So God is the one who is deserving of worship because God existed before we existed. And without him, we would not exist. We were created. So the creator, the Lord Jesus Christ, God created us, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit created us. So when we receive praise, we return that praise to the Lord. And we boast in the Lord. And we throw the crown. Should we be so, so blessed and fortunate to earn crowns and rewards for our faithfulness, we will throw it at His feet because we don't deserve the worship. Nor do we want it. We want God to be worshipped. As believers, we want God to be worshipped. And we want the whole world, what does the Bible say? Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord. So as we come, to, we don't seek any worship. We seek the worship of God because that puts things, things in order. And that brings peace and harmony to the world when the Creator receives the worship. And the created, those of us, we are created. And we desire to worship Him. We were made to worship God and to bow before him and when we can't do that because of guilt and shame and all those things we're miserable so what god has said through his word today is worship me praise me because you're worthy not in yourself you're worthy in the one that you believe in the one that you trust the mediator christ Christ has made us worthy so that we can worship the one true God. Not worshiping ourselves, not boasting in ourselves. Paul says, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So we can rejoice, we can praise, we can worship God, we can bow before him, we can shout, we can spit, we can do all these things. Not for ourselves, but because there's one who died on the cross for our sins to make us worthy in our sight. So as God helps us become faithful men and women of God, we're going to be encouraging to people. We're going to help people. We're going to bless people. People are going to thank the world of us. Like I mentioned, Mr. Lawrence, people are going to think highly of us. But it doesn't have to make us uncomfortable because we're giving that worship to God. And we're doing it, we're, we're doing it on his behalf so that he praises the Lord. This man doesn't want me to send him a text saying, oh, you're so great and all this and that. What this man wants is praise the Lord. May God be glorified because that's the desire of his heart because he's a new creation in Christ Jesus through the work of Christ, redeeming him, reconciling him to God through Christ so that he could praise God and lead other people to do the same. Let's worship God together. Thanks for joining us today. Visit us at crossroadsahoski.com for more information, additional resources, and service times.